Hey, good morning. Um, This text for this morning is Luke 24, verses 13 to uh, 35. I'm going to read a portion of it before we get going. Um, Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together... Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said to him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Um, This morning we continue in our new sermon series called Pursuit, a lifelong journey with God. And last week, Craig sketched out what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And this week, I want to continue in that direction. And I just want to argue for why this is important. I want to ask the question, why is this important and why now? Why is it important that we uh, seek Jesus? And why now? What difference does it make right now? Uh, Three points um, for this morning. First, the deeper crisis amid your crisis. Two, an honest thing about you. And three, the central longing of your soul. Okay, so let me run that back. The deeper crisis amid your crisis, an honest thing about you. And three, the central longing for your soul. We'll start with the first, the deeper crisis amid your crisis. The passage this morning follows two disciples of Jesus as they're walking on this road uh, that Luke calls Emmaus. And as they're walking, it says that, that the two of them were talking about, with each other about all the things that had happened. So this happens in Luke 24, and it follows Jesus' death, and it follows, um, and this section just follows immediately after his resurrection. Right? So, so it covers, they're probably talking about all, everything that happened during the Passion Week, Right about the crowds that were there and how Jesus was taken and how he was ultimately delivered to die on the cross. And, um, and this rumblings about going to the tomb and not seeing his body, and they're talking about it. And, and, and this is where we realize that there was an experience of crisis in their circumstances. Um, the scripture talks about how they were feeling sad because they had gone all in with Jesus, and now they're trying to figure out what just happened this past week. Um, It says that while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, and and we see that in the middle of them discussing and talking, Jesus shows up. Um, And what we want to say about this point and everything that they're experiencing is that um, they're experiencing crisis on, on two levels. First, there's the visible crisis, right? There's the crisis of their circumstances. They'd just gone in on, all in on this leader, and they thought that he had failed. But also, beneath that, beneath the crisis of their circumstances, there's a deeper level crisis. And this is the focus of what we're going to be talking about this morning, 
It's this invisible crisis. This is invisible crisis of interpretation and meaning, what I'm going to call this morning a soul crisis. They were asking the question, what do these events mean? Right? Because it, it's, it's terrible on one level that bad things happen to you. But why is it that when bad things happen to us, we feel it on a deeper, deeper, crushing soul level? There's a sense that we're asking the question, um, what do I do now with my hopes for the future? Um, Daryl Bach, a commentator on uh, Luke, he talks about that in the original language, when they're, when they're talking about talking and discussing, it conveys that they're actually in something of a deeply emotional argument. And they're arguing, and they're arguing intensely. Um, because what they're doing, as, as they, they tell Jesus later in, in the passage, is they're, they're trying to use every paradigm, scripture, every hope from the Old Testament to try to make sense of what exactly happened these past weeks. Events that, that don't add up to our calculations. You know, for us, this can be hard to bear. But even when the, the events are bad enough, the chaos of not understanding why or what their purpose is can be even harder, harder to carry. Um, and we find that what they're doing in this passage of arguing and talking and trying to make sense of the difficulty of their circumstances is not unlike anything that we still do today. I mean, just take a look at any sort of online argument taking place, right? And Twitter and Facebook and Reddit, what you find is, is that these, these social forums are full of people in soul crisis doing the best that they can to stitch together meaning out of disjointed and backbreaking life circumstances. Now, I love Twitter. It is my um, social media drug of choice. But my goodness, if it is nothing but a cacophony of interpreters leveraging the framework they love most, trying to explain away the, why the other person is wrong in their interpretation of the world's events. We construct frameworks for interpretation. We go to school and we learn worldviews and, and, and theological and philosophical, political, sociological, anthropological frameworks and systems to make sense of our human existence. This week, I made the mistake of engaging in an online argument. And if there's any rule, rule number one of the internet is don't engage with an online troll. And I made the mistake. But even in this argument, I could feel the disconnect in our worldview and experience and priorities as we attempted to find meaning from the suffering that many have endured. We were both trying to understand and explain the difficulties of the world, bringing to bear the different viewpoints and experiences and the worldviews we had. And I could feel the difference in our worldview and in our framework. Um, and what, what I want to argue for this morning is that soul crisis, the soul crisis that comes from trying to interpret the events of your life and the events of the world in light of some system, be able to make meaning out of it, soul crisis is spiritual crisis. But we often try to soothe spiritual and soul crisis with tools never meant to address it. Uh, Pastor Eugene Peterson said that classically there are three ways in which humans try to find transcendence. Religious meaning, um, transcendence as defined by religious meaning or God meaning, right? 
Three ways in which humans try to find this transcendence apart from God as revealed in the cross of Jesus. He says these three things. that We try to find it through the ecstasy of alcohol and drugs. Number two, through the ecstasy of recreational sex. And three, through the ecstasy of crowds. Think about the emotional high of being part of a large concert as everybody sways and sings and shouts together. There's an ecstasy that rivals um, God transcendence. And, we, and some of us are thinking, you know, none of those things sound appealing to me anymore. I'm now 35. Um, um, there is this said by former faith advisor for, for Obama, Michael Ware. He said this on Twitter, my drug of choice. Um, this week, he said, politics is causing great spiritual harm in American lives. And a big reason for that is Americans are going to politics to have their spiritual needs met. There's a longing in each of us to find a story, a theological or some sort of ideological system that makes sense of our present existence and the difficulties and the hurts and the pain that we have faced. And what we want to say is when we make this push towards discipleship in our church, is that discipleship is about more than tidy spiritual practices. It's about addressing deep soul crisis you are experiencing. It's not about an intellectual framework that helps give you mental confidence as you enter online arguments with people you disagree with. No, it's about finding someone who can, finding a someone, not a system, but a someone who can not only reinterpret um, the heartbreak of your life, but also redeem it. Someone whose presence can hold you in the thick of disease, death, and unemployment. Discipleship is about finding life. Finding life to the full. Um, and there are no other adequate tools to face this soul crisis that we have experienced. So one, that is the deeper crisis beneath our present circumstances. Right? It's this understanding, it's this idea that, that beneath the circumstances and the difficult circumstances, the real pain you've experienced, um, what you're really grappling with is this longing for meaning to make sense of the pain that you've experienced. Um, but two, we talk about an honest thing about you. An honest thing about you. This is what Jesus says in verse 25 when he's talking to these followers of his who don't recognize him, he says, and he said to them, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer and these things enter into his glory? I'm going to read that back. He says this, um, O foolish ones, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Um, Jesus calls them foolish ones and slow of heart. He calls them out because they did not recognize the story that was unfolding in front of them. He says, look, you good Hebrew boys know what the prophets said. You know the story of Scripture, but somehow it has not penetrated your heart and your imagination to the point that it actually changes how you see the world. What he was saying is, you know, but it hasn't sunk down deep. You know the, the outlines of Scripture, but it hasn't actually shaped the way you see the world. Um, 
the story, as Pastor Eugene Peterson would say, the story of Scripture, you might know it intellectually, but you have no sense of how this theology is lived out. Um, you haven't come face to face with the power of the story. And we all know that stories have power. Um, one of the things that I remember is that a few years ago, in a, in a cold January, I was living in warm Houston, Texas. And I was getting ready to fly to New Jersey to do a, um, a like college retreat on the coast of New Jersey somewhere. But I was in, I was in sunny Houston. And um, I remember the day before I flew out, I watched the movie Day After Tomorrow. Now, Day After Tomorrow is this very, very average movie um, about how um, the waters of the Atlantic turn all of like the surrounding land into ice, right? I mean, I think the focus is New York City, but all around the world, due to climate, changes in climate, that, that things have just gone crazy, and, and there's just this incredible ice storm of some sort. I might be getting that wrong, but the whole point is that everything becomes cold, and it's like an ice age all over again in modern times. And I was like, ah, bad movie. <clears throat> but I jump on the plane, I come to New Jersey, and um, New Jersey at the time was going through these like sub-zero temperatures. And I was doing this retreat on the coast, like on the Jersey shore, and I just all of a sudden started getting replays as I'm driving along the water and start thinking about this movie that I'd watched the day before and thinking, oh my goodness, it's going to happen here. It's about to happen, right? There's about to be this massive ice storm that I'm going to be caught up in. The movie that I just watched and the story that I had just watched on the screen had all of a sudden been able to penetrate down deep into my imagination. There's a power of story to shape the way that we engage and encounter the world. Um, and what we're arguing for in this season as we talk about discipleship is that discipleship is about more than learning the grid of a theological system. It's about letting the story of Scripture getting so deep into you that you actually recognize what's going on as you look outside. That you have eyes to see the ways that God is moving and working in the world. And as you go and see what he's doing, you go and you run to it. And that's what discipleship is about. It's not becoming formed in, into some system of thought. It's about learning the story of, of how God has moved through history, in our history. So one, there's a deeper crisis amid our crisis. Two, the honest thing about you is that, um, as Jesus calls his followers, that, that we are ignorant of the story that's, that's unfolding in front of us. And so if we are to be disciples, then we learn the story of Jesus, and we see the ways that all of the story points back to him. Um, and three, the central longing of your soul. Um, the central longing of your soul. And um, I'm going to read verses 28 to 32, and it says this, And so they drew near to a village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us. This is the, the followers talking to Jesus, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. 
So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And, and he vanished from their sight, and they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he, walked, while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Here, here is what happens, right? The central longing of our soul... Um, there, scripture often, often, especially in the Gospels, and Jesus, when he's talking, talks about how blind we can be to recognizing the realities of the world. And what happens is, um, as Jesus is, is, is sitting with them and he takes the bread and he blesses it, they get a sense of who he is. And Luke is clearly pointing back to what happened, right, at the Lord's Supper. Um, This meal that is given to us and reminds us that no matter what has happened in our life, that that this is a story of of our lives in total, that we as humans fumble our existence. We're apathetic towards God and hurting each other, but yet God enters into our story, taking the form of material flesh to undo the curse that has kept us blind. The deep longing for our soul is communion with God, is to be united with him, is to know him, to experience the full transcendence of being able to know him as he is. And what we do in the Lord's Supper, also called communion, is that we remember that he is ferociously after us, pursuing us. What we remember as as we take the bread, a symbol of his body, broken our, on our behalf, is that his body was broken so that we could finally see with clear eyes. That we could finally see the unfolding story of Scripture come to life. We finally see that this world is longing for a resurrected king. This, lo- this world is longing for a resurrection that only he could bring. And that's what we participate in. And that is our hope And that's why we partake of the Lord's Supper. And that's why we invite our community to come together at noon today. It's because there's something about this sacrament given to us that reminds us about our deepest and central, most central longing. It's it's as the name of this sacrament reminds us that our deepest longing is communion with God. And why we pursue this path of discipleship is because there's a, there's a longing for meaning that communion with God can fill like nothing else in our life. Um, and we pray that you would know and experience that communion for yourself. And let's pray. Father, we, we pray that you would, you would drench us with the story of, of your word that we would see it play out in front of us, that um, we would see the power of your spirit go before us and we would jump right in. And we would see that all of discipleship is about communion with you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.